Hey Houston, Khan's prices are invincible. That means prices have been cut low, as in amazingly low, as in won't be beat. In fact, we're backing it up with our low price guarantee. Invincible prices on appliances, furniture, electronics, mattresses, and more. Not invincible enough for you? How about free next day delivery on appliances, TVs, and mattresses? And payment options for everyone, whether you have good credit or building it. Visit Cons today and find out what invincible feels like. This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Here we go. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Norwegian Pearl today. Also, Sherry Laskin checking in with Cruise News. And going to get an update on those Cuba cancellations. I will tell you, because this whole Cuba story is so fluid um, at the time of recording, uh, we're going to be updating everything on our website at cruiseradio.net. Or you can check it out on our daily news briefs at Cruise Radio News. You can hear that where you listen to your favorite podcast. The last video uploaded on the YouTube channel was a walkthrough of Norwegian Getaway. You can find that on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. And uh, let's see, what else? All right, nothing. So we'll jump right to Sherry with Cruise News. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Doug. Looks like Cuba cruises got squashed earlier this week. Yeah, this came quite quite a shock. As of June 5, the Trump administration has banned cruise ships, plus private yachts and fishing boats from visiting Cuba. This new ban affects over 750,000 cruise bookings, most of which are either all of which are either scheduled or already in progress. So basically, it's now illegal to cruise to Cuba. We've just gone back a few years here. All the major cruise lines have itineraries that go to Havana, and this includes Carnival, Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, even Oceana. Plus, the yet unlaunched Virgin Voyages, they had featured Havana as one of their main draws in their itinerary. So they're going back to the drawing board. Uh, Bottom line is basically, if you are booked on a cruise to Cuba, either contact your travel agent, or if you did it on your own, you'll have to contact the cruise lines directly. They're making all sorts of concessions. So it's all individual. I can't list them all, but you know, the cruise lines are doing something to compensate people, you know, and I I don't want to do another editorial, like I always say, but you know, this really is a shame because Last November, I took Royal Caribbean's Majesty of the Seas into Havana, and it was an exceptionally, it was just really a cool experience to cruise in past this old fortress, kind of like the one in San Juan. But I don't know, you know, once they take things away, it's hard to bring them back again. Yeah, and that food on Majesty was so good, too. Oh, yes, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, if you want a full outline of the refunds uh, that the cruise lines are giving you or the concessions offered, you can find that at cruiseradio.net. Right there on the homepage, we have all that outlined for you. Uh, so MSC Cruises had a rogue cruise ship in Venice over the weekend. Yeah, this was really interesting. So last, uh, last Sunday, while the ship was attempting to dock in Venice, and this was the MSC Opera, or opera, as you want to say. Anyway, it was cruising. It was scheduled to dock at the San Basilio Cruise Terminal, which is not the main one. So the main one is like a horseshoe shape where all the major, you know, the 6,000 passenger ships go or will go into. So this, uh, the MSC Opera is only 2,150 passengers. So it was scheduled for the smaller port. But as it was trying to push closer to the dock, something happened with the motor 
and even these towboats that were trying to prevent it from careening sideways into Uniworld's River Countess, um, it could, they couldn't stop it. So it, the big opera cruised sideways into the River Countess. There were several people that were injured. As far as I could um, figure out, uh, nothing was, you know, horribly serious, thank goodness. But, um, you know, it's, it's just another thing that's another um, nail in the coffin of cruise ships going into Venice. I mean, you know, it's bad enough that these massive ships go in, but now if the, even the smaller ones are having trouble, it's more fuel to the fire for the Venetians to say, we don't want any ships here. If you do want to cruise into Venice at some point in the future, you're going to have to look at a river ship, um, which kind of you board in San Basilio, then the ship docks itself actually right at St. Mark's Square, which is great, and you can walk all around Venice. And then it continues on up to Burano, Murano, and over over towards um, uh, the uh, the university area and all that. But uh, yeah, this was this was this was terrible. If you want to see this video, if you haven't seen this video yet, it's so wild of this sixty thousand ton cruise ship just coming straight to the pier. I have it uploaded on the article on cruiseradio.net. Carnival Corporation was slapped with a big fine for violating probation earlier this week. Yeah, this is a long saga. It goes way back uh, to 2017. So this ongoing incident involved Princess Cruises when the the cruise line was found guilty of dumping oily waste into the ocean. So um, the result of this guilty verdict was that Carnival Corporation, who owns Princess, was put on a five-year probationary period and had to pay a $40 million fine. So what happens during the first year of probation, Carnival Corporation ships had dumped over almost half a million gallons of treated sewage, food waste, and oil into protected waters, and they got caught. So other violations on top of that include burning heavy oil and furniture just happening to go overboard. So as a result of violating the probation Carnival's trying to negotiate to reduce the amount from that $40 million down to $20 million, but they are also going to have to implement several environmentally friendly improvements. And this would include things like reducing single-use plastic. So as part of that, that means your little ketchup packets and uh, butter pats, cereal boxes and things like that. Sugar are going to be eliminated. Decorative items like uh, toothpicks, those little foo-foo drink umbrellas, olive picks are going to be gone. Um, straws, well, you have to ask for them anyway, but um, drinking straws, with the exception of frozen drinks, won't have anything except edible straws, which is kind of cute. Wooden coffee stirrers will be replaced with stainless stirrers, which can be sanitized and reused. So they're doing things also, you know, the they already have this mainly, but the shampoo and body wash are going to be in pumps in the stateroom, not little bars of soap. And, of course, I've been seeing lately these aluminum bottles of water. So eventually plastic water bottles will also have to be replaced, though it hasn't been determined by Carnival yet with what. I am totally for leaving a or less of an environmental footprint when we're cruising. But I'm thinking there's a part, you know, you can only go so far, right? I mean, like the big Fats of butter that are going to be out on the buffet now. People are spreading their knives in there or whatever, or the sugar. I don't know. I just think there's there's a point where contamination also comes into play in human health. 
Absolutely. You know, it's bad enough as it is at the buffet. Um, yeah. You know, that's one reason why I like Hound America, because they have the handles at the buffet facing away from the passengers. So you have to be surged at their buffet. Yep. And I think that's, you know, that's probably uh, going to have to happen, too. But, yeah, you know, I wouldn't want to be using a butter knife as someone else is slathering the butter on their bread that are, they already took a bite out of, maybe. So I don't know. There's 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 got to be a happy medium somewhere, but you know we'll see what happens. I don't know. And those edible straws you were talking about, Carnival's VP of Beverage Ops told me those are actually going to be sugar-based straws that will dissolve in your drink once it gets to a certain point. So you can pretty much eat the straw, but I guess if you have diabetes, that could be an issue as mm-hmm. well. You know, so I guess you have to ask. So I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. They have a lot to work out there, but they were polluting. They can figure it out. Yeah. And they'll figure it out. Yeah. You know what? Eventually, it'll it'll be uh, cruise ship wide anyway at some point. Mm-hmm. All right. The last talking point. Another celebrity cruise ship received a pretty nice refurbishment. Yeah, this sounds really great. The Celebrity Equinox has emerged from refurbishment in Cadiz, Spain. It was a 29-day dry dock, so you can get a lot done. And here's a, here's a brief list of some of the things that have happened uh, for example, uh, Michael's Club, which we all used to know, used to, we all knew and loved, is now called the Retreat Lounge, and this was added for sweet guests. So they have several, it's called the Retreat Areas. Uh, Cuisine is going to have a couple nights a week on Seven Nights Sailings. They're going to have that little animated um, dining experience called Le Petit Chef and Le Petit Chef and Friends. A lot of the staterooms have been refurbished, and, you know, they probably needed a little bit. Um, A pub was added, and you can get craft beer, wine, cocktails. There's a bunch of TV screens. So, you know, it's a pubby-type casual bar. Um, The spa, which is run by Canyon Ranch, they've added some new treatments. Throughout um, the shopping arcade has now new upscale um, boutiques, so that's kind of nice. And the kids club, if you're traveling with your kids on Celebrity, they will have um, more, I don't want to call it intellectual, but more, um, you know, the STEM type themed activities. So it's not just all um, coloring and and doing things like that. Um, So it's a lot that was done. It's almost a full month. So I'm looking forward to seeing what changes look like, how the staterooms now look. I haven't seen the photos yet, but, you know, refreshing them is, is a good thing, too. Listener question comes from Nikki. You can email your listener questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net, D-O-U-G at cruiseradio.net. Hi, Doug. What is the weather like in southeast Alaska in July? Well, Nikki, um, what is the weather like in Alaska right now in June? Um, it was 73 today in Anchorage. The sun was beaming brightly. It doesn't it hardly gets dark at all. So when you're here, you know, just barely a month from now in the southeast, uh, I heard today Juno was also sunny and in the 70s. You know, it can change in a heartbeat, though. It will probably be warmer. And so, you know, you won't have to put on as many layers during the day unless you're going on a glacier hike or a glacier, you know, a helicopter tour to a glacier. The winds do come barreling down and you know it's cold. Is you're on a glacier, so you will need a hat, gloves, uh, a good down, you know, a puffy coat or a down jacket or something you'll need to bring if you're going on a glacier or doing even, if you get some rain, it's going to get pretty muddy, so a nice pair of waterproof boots is helpful, but, you know, July usually is the 
of course, the warmest time, but storms can come in and uh, they may go away quite fast, or you might have three days of horizontal rain, but I'm hoping for a nice dry July, but just not too dry. You are going to a tropical rainforest, you know that. Yeah, Alaska is like, it's a, you should bring like a cornucopia of gear because you never know what it's going to be like. I mean, I've been in Alaska sometimes in July when it's been in the lower 40s at night. And then I've been there Mm -hmm. in the daytime in July when it's got up to, you know, 85, 87 degrees. Yeah, it can, you can be roasting. In fact, today I've been up here for what, two, two months already? Today I went to the post office in Girdwood and mailed two boxes of clothes that I don't need anymore. When we talked last week, you were heading up to the Arctic Circle. How was it? It was incredible. It was the longest day I've had, 19 and a half hours in a minivan. (laughs) And about 45 minutes crossing the Arctic Circle. We had a little um, Arctic Circle crossing ceremony we had cake and and uh piled back in the van drove another it's they break it up about every three hours um you can stop somewhere in an outhouse which is interesting but um if if anyone has a chance to do this uh it's northern alaska tour company has this arctic circle drive and it is incredible you you follow the pipeline um, for in many places, but you stop at uh, the Yukon River fish camp and uh, a trading post along the way. It's like nothing you can imagine. It really is. It's so unique. It's, it's incredible. So I had a great time. Yeah, I'm glad you had a great time. When you get back, we'll have to talk all about it when we have um, you know a nice, solid, non-Alaska connection. Yeah, that's true. Well, as soon as I get back to Florida or Chicago. Been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide, like Rome, Vatican City, St. Petersburg, Sydney, and Jamaica, just to name a few. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting CruisingExcursions.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at CruiseRadio.net. So Lauren just returned from a 13-night transatlantic cruise aboard Norwegian Pearl. It went from New York City to Amsterdam, and Lauren joins us on the line. Hey, Lauren. Hey, how's it going? Good. Now, I want to talk all about this cruise and about Norwegian Pearl. It's been a year, maybe five years since I've been on her. Um, but before we get to that, as we always do, we're going to take a step back. And what made you want to take this 13-night transatlantic sailing? I really love sea days, so having six sea days was very appealing. I also previously had gone on a transatlantic cruise in the other direction across the Atlantic and really liked all the sea days as well as not being jet lagged when I got back. So I thought it would be kind of interesting to do that in the other direction so that when we got to Europe, we we wouldn't be jet lagged. Um, and then also we were just going to see a bunch of Europe, European ports, which uh, cities that we haven't been to before. So you live in Pennsylvania and you went up to Manhattan. Any pre-cruise time in Manhattan? My mom lives in New Jersey. So we actually stayed over with her. And then 
left our car at her house and walked to a train station, which is just three blocks from her house, and uh, took the New Jersey Transit over day of. And then the only thing that we did in New York was get some New York-style pizza. Of course, a must. And then you make your way to the cruise terminal. Um, How was your embarkation? It was pretty quick because we had a delay. There's a lot more traffic than I expected, but apparently that's just New York. We took a an Uber from Penn Station over to Pier 88. So that actually took so, so much time that I really just wish that we'd taken the subway and walked across um, across the island a little bit. But we didn't board until close to two. So most people had cleared out by then. So it was pr- it was a very quick process. So you make your way on board the ship. What was the first thing you did? Well, we entered into the lobby and um, saw all the fancy glass sculpture. Um, I don't remember why it's there or I don't remember what was special about it. But there's this like kind of octopus looking sculpture. And then we went up to O'Sheehan's and got a glass of champagne before heading to our cabin. So you're walking around the ship. What were your first impressions, you know, going from the atrium up to O'Sheehan's? What was the general vibe for you? Everyone was really excited. Uh, The weather was not very nice. I think it was raining. Uh, So and and it was um, wasn't very warm outside. So everyone was just glad to be on board and excited to embark on our cruise. You make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book and what were your thoughts of it? We had an interior cabin and that's the first time for us on a Norwegian ship. And it was smaller than in um, on other ships that we've been on, but it was not as bad as I thought it was. I was a little bit concerned because I know that Norwegian is a little bit infamous for their small interior cabins, but that was the price that we were able to pay. We were in cabin 5599, which is under the galley for the main dining rooms, which I, uh, like, newbie move, uh, didn't notice when I was booking the cruise, and I was worried about the noise, but it was actually not that bad. It wasn't, um, which is kind of saying a lot because I'm a light sleeper, but the location was great. It Um, because it's close. It was on deck five, which is one floor away from Bar City, which is maltings and shakers and the champagne wine bar. So we had we were very close to dining and bars. So I actually liked the room a lot. So and back to the booking process, just for a moment here. Was this one of the um, like sail away rates or did you get the actual pick perks with this sailing? It was not a sail away rate. I got to pick. We picked the um, the premium beverage package. I changed it from ultimate beverage package to premium be- beverage package. Nothing has actually changed except the name, but we did pick the the beverage package, and we just got the one freebie with the interior cabin. Okay. Uh, the reason why I asked because whenever I did Norwegian, they um they put me under the galley as well. And but yeah. it was a sail away rate, so they kind of just stuck me anywhere. So I didn't know if it was like the same kind of thing. No, I just like thought it was a nice. Lo- I thought it was a good location, and it was like a memorable room number. Mm-hmm. And then like I went to look at it later and was like, <laughs> oh no! And I like was really hoping for an upgrade, but the ship was sold out, so like yeah. almost nobody got an upgrade on that one. Well, let's talk about the dining on board this thirteen night cruise. So many mm-hmm. places to eat. So uh, we'll start in the main dining room. Well, actually, there is no main dining room. Is there? There's two big dining. Rooms. Rooms, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess they. I don't. 
I call them main dining yeah, rooms. Yeah, same here. I don't but... know if Norwegian yeah. doesn't call them that or not. Yeah, you know, we're both carnival people. Um, but yes, there's there's two dining rooms, the Golden Palace and Indigo. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Golden Palace and Indigo. And Indigo is right upstairs. It's from well, where my cabin was. And it's the smaller dining room. And then the Summer Palace is farther back, also, also entered from Deck 6, um, and is a little bit bigger. The main dining room on with Norwegian, is it – can you make reservations for it or do you just walk up and, you know, just get sat whenever – when there's a table ready for you? You can do both. Mm-hmm. I – like to do reservations just because then I know I'll be able to get sat a little bit faster when I when I get to the dining room but there's not like if I'm not able to make the reservation it's not a big deal or like sometimes we actually went a little bit earlier because our sleep patterns were all off and we're hungry earlier and Mm. um but yeah there were lines a lot of nights so it worked out that we had reservations um some people say for the smaller ships, like anything smaller than the Epic, you don't don't bother make dining reservations. But I think if the ship's pretty full, you should have them, yeah. which was the case for the sailing. And how was food and the service in there? The food was pretty good and the service was fine. Nothing really. There was one waiter the whole cruise that really stood out to us and we really felt like he cared about our dining experience. Um, but otherwise like everything was quick and, you know, I wasn't offended that nobody was friends to me, tried to make friends with me or anything, but, um, it just didn't have that kind of specialness that I've had with some other cruises. And as far as specialty restaurants, did you do any of those on your 13 nights? Yes. We went to Le Bistro one night and then we got sushi a couple of times, kind of as an, um, each time it was an, as an add on to the complimentary Asian food at Lotus Garden. Now, Le Bistro, is that a la carte or is it like one cover of charge for the whole experience? I think that Norwegian has switched almost all their restaurants over to a la carte. Mm -hmm. And yes, Le Bistro is a la carte. Lotus Garden, obviously they serve Asian food in there, but what kind of Asian food would you find there? Yes, it is Asian. Uh, It's a lot of dishes that have noodles. And then at lunchtime, they also have a, um, a smaller menu that's just called the noodle bar, mm-hmm. which we tried so hard to go to, but there was either a line or we were late or we forgot about it. We didn't actually make it there for lunch. But yeah, it's kind of traditional Chinese, what you'd expect to find in a Chinese restaurant. And how was Oshihan's? Oshihan's was great as usual. Um, the wait, the wait staff there was similar to the dining room staff that they, they weren't really that interested in making sure that we had a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, I did start to notice that they sort of, once you have all your food, they don't come back unless you throw up a signal flare. So that was a little bit frustrating, especially because we ended up eating there a lot on this particular cruise just because... Um, we just weren't feeling like going to the dining room every night, and we went to Oceans almost every day for lunch because they're what's open. What is your favorite like meal? What is your go-to at Oceans? They don't really have meals uh, per se. I guess they do have entrees, but it's Irish food, which is not really food that I eat. So my go-to is the, a Caesar salad with salmon and then also some of their wings, and their wings are pretty excellent. 
Yep, that's my go-to, the wings for sure. It doesn't matter if it's lunch or after the bar is closed, always getting wings there. They're so good. So we didn't talk about the Garden Cafe, the buffet on Norwegian. How was that? I don't really care for Norwegian's buffet food. Uh, we did go... I did end up eating there a few times just because of it's a little bit faster and easier, but I kind of always was struggling to find food that I wanted to eat. I always found food that I was willing to eat and it was, it was okay. It was standard for Norwegian. So if people love, if you love the Norwegian buffet, then it was, then it was amazing. But for me, it's not really my cup of tea. So it was just okay. For a 13-night sailing, you really have to shake the entertainment up to kind of make things different. How was that? They did add a lot of extra entertainment. Uh, I didn't actually make it to most of the shows, and that was because of the little snafu where um, everyone was getting sick, and including my husband. So we were, even though I didn't get sick, I was kind of up all night with him because it's a small cabin, and I don't sleep through many things. And... Uh, so we were kind of down for the count for a few days. and um, But I did see that they had a large variety. They unfortunately, so this is only my third Norwegian cruise. And it wasn't until when I was on the gem recently that I noticed that they, they kind of front load the stand-up comedy. And stand-up comedy is one of my favorite things. It's something I love to go to when I'm on a cruise. And I thought with the 13 days, they would have more than three days of stand-up comedy, but they did not. So we missed comedy, the stand-up, um, each of the three days that they had it, and then it never came back. Um, but we did make it to Legends in Concert, which I believe is one of the Pearl's standard shows, which was one of the reasons I wanted to go. And that consists of three uh, impersonators of... Michael Jackson, Tina Turner, and Elvis Presley. And that was actually a really great show. I particularly liked Michael Jackson as I'm kind of a big fan. The others were good, but I didn't appreciate them as much because I'm just not a fan. How about music, uh, like music around the ship in the different venues as the cruise was going on? There was a lot of music around the ship, not more than normal, I don't think. But um, maybe it was more frequent then, and I just didn't really notice, but they did have music pretty steadily in um, in the evenings in the atrium and at Magnum's, the Magnum's Champagne and Wine Bar, mm -hmm. and I want to say one other place, but... I'm probably wrong. It's probably just all the shows that they have. Well, we weren't there, so we'll believe you, whatever you say. <laughs> um, I want to touch on something, though, because so I've had norovirus on a cruise before or whatever they call the outbreaks these days. And mm -hmm. it wasn't pretty, but it was just like me and a couple of other people. But it sounds like with your sailing, there was a few people who got sick. So how does the cruise line handle that from like a being on board standpoint? So I did. There was a lot of hearsay about like what was going on and like how the 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 virus was spreading um but what i heard was that it kind of started with crew and spread through there and then into pass um and then over to passengers but yeah it wasn't very pretty the most major things that they were doing was they weren't letting us serve ourselves in the buffet and that meant that they there was crew standing there and they were the only ones handling the tongs and you'd tell them what you want. And sometimes you got what you want and sometimes you didn't. And it was a struggle if you wanted more than one piece of something. And uh, that 
eventually became this same thing with the beverage station. They were mm. serving us our beverages and they just have those tiny cups. And instead of me being able to like fill one and dump it into my, my Nalgene and fill another, dump it into my Nalgene, I was restricted by what they wanted to give me. And and then they were also very uh, kind of attacking us with the hand sanitizer and insisting that it was because people weren't washing their hands that the virus was spreading, which maybe yes, maybe no. They did shut down the hot tubs and the pools for a few days, which wasn't a huge loss because it was cold outside anyway since we were um, in Europe and it was in May. You know, if I want to go to hot tub, I feel like I should have been able to. They canceled some events that were going to be a lot of people in a room that were close to crew members or crew staff that they needed to keep healthy. Mm-hmm. And uh, what bothered me the most was when they were they started quarantining the people who were sick in their cabin. So they took away their cruise card, weren't letting them out. There was actually an announcement at some point that was reprimanding the people who were sneaking out and threatening to kick them off the cruise if they were caught sneaking out. Now, we didn't go to the medical center and tell them that my husband was sick because we knew we're like, this is going to pass in a few hours. We're just going to like let it pass and then moved on with our lives. But yeah, there were a lot of people who were stuck in their cabins and missed a lot of the cruise. And I'm assuming they also weren't let, let off the ship in ports. And um, as far as I know, nobody was getting any kind of refunds. Yeah. So whenever I had it, it was actually a stretch of six sea days. So I got it right in the middle of the sea days. So by the time we got to the port of call, I was able to get off the ship. But yeah, I, I think that if I wasn't cleared, they would have been like, you are not getting off this ship. You're staying in your room and we're not giving you your card back. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So let's talk about the sea days on the ship as far as crowds and congestion during the sea days. How was that? It wasn't really that crowded. I don't know if that was because people were sick or what. Um, I don't really think that's what it was. It was just there was enough going on around the ship that everyone had different interests and they were able to do different activities. Um, And then there was it was an older crowd. So a lot of the activities that I like to do, they were kind of probably just hanging back and relaxing somewhere while I was like trivia and stuff. So, and when I say older, I mean like much older, like <laughs> retirement age, because sure. that's who, mo- for the most part, that's who's able to go on 13 day cruises. Right. So let's talk about the ports of call you went to and what we'll do here because you had a handful of them. Um, give us the port of call, give us the highlight and move to the next one. My first port of call was to Cove, Ireland. We booked a tour that took us to the Blarney Castle so that we could kiss the Blarney Stone. That was important to me, which is mostly just because it was something that I'd heard of that was nearby. And then we got back to Cove and then just hit up a pub that had some local beer. um, And that was what we did pretty much for the whole day. The next stop was Dunleary, Ireland. And that's about 30 minutes to Dublin by car an hour if you're doing public transportation. Because we were going into Dunleary, that is a tender port, Mm -hmm. and the tenders were going a little bit slow, so we did lose a bunch of time in that port. But we went to the Guinness Storehouse, and my husband had a great time there, and then we also went to the Jameson Distillery because I like whiskey. So that was the highlight for me. They don't actually distill in that location anymore. As it turns out, they do their distilling back near 
Cove, where we were the day before, but I didn't know that. So <laughs> it was still fun to see the old distillery. Our third port was Le Havre, France, and we did... We booked an excursion to Rouen, which is the capital of the Normandy region. Um, Normandy being is famous for the uh, the D-Day invasion, and we just had a tour around Rouen, and we saw their cathedral. But the highlight for me was a giant macaron, which was delicious and very fresh and way better than I've ever had in the U.S. Our fourth stop was Tilbury, England, and there isn't really much to do in Tilbury, and we didn't want to take an hour and a half train to London, so we just took a ferry across the Thames River and hung out in the town there, which is called Gravesend, and that's like sort of a medium-sized town. There are a lot of pubs. We were able to get delicious fish and trips, which was the highlight for me. And then we were, and then we just took the ferry back. Our last port was Zabruge, Belgium. And we took, we booked a tour and a shuttle to take us over to Bruges, which I'd never previously heard of, except for that there's a movie that takes place there and is called In Bruges. And that's the only reason I'd heard of that city. And we... Our tour went, um, the tour was excellent. It was done by a tour company called uh, Legends Tours and Activities. And we walked all around Bruges and got a bunch of history on Bruges. And we stopped in a chocolate shop and got a chocolate making demonstration and a couple of samples. And we went to a local craft brewery that I cannot pronounce, so I'm not going to try, and got a tour of the brewery as well as some samples there. And then the cruise em- and then the cruise ended in Amsterdam, which we also haven't been to, and we booked a pizza cruise, which was just like a regular sightseeing cruise, except we stopped and got and each got pizza along the way. They just had it um, basically, the, the pizza place brought it over to the ship, and then we all ate it at tables. And that included all-we-could-drink Heineken and wine and soft drinks, and had a lot of great information about the city. And it was more fun than I thought it was even going to be. That just sounds amazing anyways, a pizza cruise. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah, you went to Cove, too. That's on my bucket list because that was one of the stops the Titanic made before it set sail across the ocean, and there was this big Titanic experience there. Back to the ship for a second. So did you book the internet package? Well, actually, you did, because I was talking to you on there. How was that? Well, I didn't pay for the internet package. It came with the Distinctive Voyages okay. promotion, which I don't think Norwegian offers anymore. But the... Um, which, that meant that we only had 250 minutes. That's all that comes with it. So that was, I was actually being really careful. That goes really fast. Mm-hmm. So with 13 days, um, that's not a lot per day because that's the same amount that we had on, um, on a shorter cruise. That was the same situation. Um, but I guess it worked, uh, I guess it worked pretty good for the most part. There were a couple days where it was going a little bit slow, but for the most part, uh, I was happy with it, aside from the <laughs> the uh, the scarcity. And then I want to ask you about the casino. Was smoke an issue inside or around the casino? I don't remember it being really smoky. Not that I spent a lot of time in it, but I did walk through it a few times. I think there was some stale smoke smell, just because that's going to happen no matter what when you smoke somewhere. Mm. But it 
mostly I think the ventilation systems are really good and we're pulling that smoke right out um, because I did see some smokers in there. There wasn't a lot of people gambling. Again, this was like retirement age group, like gambling, I guess, is just not the, that demographic isn't, aren't gamblers. Um, but it wasn't, I never felt like I needed to avoid walking through the casino to get to the other side. If I was already on that deck, you're going to have every retiree writing me a hate mail <laughs> at the end of this interview. <laughs> so Amsterdam, did you spend any post-cruise time there? Like any, like a couple of nights or so? We stayed overnight in Amsterdam for one night. We picked a Renaissance because it's a Marriott brand and we had Marriott points that we could use to stay there for free. And it had a really great location. It was close to where our pizza cruise started and it was a little bit far from the cruise terminal, but definitely we did end up walking it. So it was walking distance, at least for us. Uh, we wanted to take the train, but apparently went the wrong way. And then it was at that point, all right, we might as well just walk. And, and also we were able to walk to back to the train station to then, which we took to the airport. So it was really nice that it was right downtown and we meant to go out, but we were just tired from all of the all of the action in the port. So we ended up just staying in for the night and enjoying the hotel. All the pizza and Heineken. <laughs> yeah, that too. The, yeah, that's one thing about Amsterdam I really like. You can get anywhere on their transit system, like right to the airport, down to the cruise pier. Obviously, if you know where, what train you're getting on, at least. I think we were supposed to take a trolley and we mm -hmm. just went the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like there was two stops and yeah. Such a, <laughs> such a cool spot. Um, if, you have, if you had any tips to offer someone sailing either Norwegian Pearl or a transatlantic, what would that be? My tips for cruising the Norwegian Pearl, um, one is make sure you go to the stand-up comedy when you see it in the Freestyle Daily because you might not get another chance um, if stand-up comedy is your thing. Another is that the layout is somehow really confusing, and I noticed this on the gem, which I spent 11 days on, and then still got confused somewhat when I was on the Pearl a few months later. So definitely study the deck plan a little bit and be very aware of the fish on the ground that are showing you the direction and which way the numbers are going um, so that you don't get lost. How, how does the, the gym and the Pearl stack up against each other? They're basically the same. On the gym, I preferred the bigger dining room. Mm -hmm. Its name escapes me, but on the Pearl, I actually preferred the smaller one. Um, just how they were decorated, I, I preferred the smaller dining rooms. And then otherwise, it was pretty much just a cookie cutter. If you could tell Norwegian one thing about Norwegian Pearl, what would that be? I really liked the high top tables that Maltings had. They're just better for kind of mingling. And I was in the cruise critic roll call group and attended some events and it's just useful to have spaces where you can be walking around rather than just sitting and then you don't aren't able to really get up and mingle because you have to physically get up and it's kind of awkward so it's harder to mingle so i would say like stick some of those tables in more areas around the ship so that there are more options particularly in the bliss lounge that could really use some high top tables and less beds because mm -hmm. that was the real thing that is in the pearls bliss lounge um so that people can meet each other, meet so people can meet other people and talk to each other, whether planned or not planned. So people are like just straight up laying down and talking to someone, like just like they're in a bed. 
I didn't. I don't think I ever saw anyone lying in the bed. But you some could, people, right? Some people would sit on the edge of them. Okay. Um, and Bliss was Bliss was one of the locations that I that um had music a lot that I didn't think of earlier when you asked that question. So it's not really a talking to each other kind of space, which which is why I think that the high top tables by the bar would be useful because the music's not quite as loud. Um, But it's mostly, yeah, they have this kind of like lavish feeling furniture in there, which isn't really that useful for a a club kind of space. (laughs) Meet people, seal the deal and get out of there. Got it. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, uh, in closing here, final thoughts of Norwegian Pearl. My final thoughts are that it didn't actually feel small. And I have been on larger ships, um, both Norwegian and on Carnival. But I, it really felt like a large ship. It didn't feel particularly crowded at any point Uh, i really liked the bliss lounge for hanging out at night there was good music in there and we could dance a little bit and the dining food the dining room food was okay but i wouldn't want to eat there every night so either buy a dining package if you're going to be on a a longer cruise and and plan for that or you really have to like those wings at (laughs) oceans We've been talking with Lauren. Thank you so much for sharing your review. Of course. Thanks for having me. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Wah, wah, wah. Yes, very deep, very rich. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.